Welcome to Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. And I'm curious, as my guest today, know where it's from. Here's Alina Matyukina from Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Alina, do you know the film? Oh, yeah. This is a horror movie, Altergeist. <laughs> very, very, very good. How much of it did you watch? Uh, quite a lot, Like, but I was super scared Like afterwards. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So it's it's an older movie, 40 years by now, but it still creeps us out. What was the most memorable scene for you? Yeah, when the objects in the house going crazy and uh, all people, they're scared there. Like, this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it is unbelievable because also it's untrue. We know there are no poltergeists, hopefully, but the big question is how safe are we in our homes and our houses? And that's what you work on, cybersecurity for buildings. How safe are our houses, Alina? Well, if they are protected in terms of cybersecurity means they are safe. But right now, more hackers, they are started to target critical infrastructure, our homes, hospitals, pharma, data centers. And if they really succeeded to target the devices, then uh, everything can get thrown. Hmm. So let's start with maybe our homes. I live in an old Victorian house, so a bit over 100 years old in London. I have Wi-Fi. What are the risks for me? How unsafe or safe am I? Well, it depends uh, if, for example, your devices, uh, you have controllers there, for example, for lightning, uh, for heating, uh, uh, and they are connected to the Internet. Then you need to make sure that you use uh, safe devices and secure Hmm. So imagine I had, for example, a thermostat that's connected to the internet. What's really the risk there? Somebody knows how warm or cold my flat is? Well, uh, yes, they can also manipulate with the temperature to make uh, your home very warm or very cold. For example, in uh, Finland, it was uh, a cyber attack on a residential building when uh, all the occupants were really left in cold during winter. Okay, that was in Finland, you said? Mm -hmm. Yes, in Finland. Okay, so that's a nasty surprise, and um, but it's not yet threat to life, I would say. It's inconvenient. Which types of buildings carry real cyber risks at the moment? I would say critical infrastructure. Buildings there which are critical uh, to safety of their occupants. For example, hospitals, pharma, data centers. Just imagine if someone can just turn down uh, all the lights uh, in the surgery room, what can be the consequences of this? Oh. So in the middle of a, of a surgery, lights might go out and then they bring out the headlamps or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So this is really impact uh, the life of people. Can you give me more examples? So hospital I get, what else is critical infrastructure? 
data centers, for example, you know, we use uh, quite a lot of services. Yes, we cannot live without like our social media platforms. And just imagine that one day you cannot access your social media account or you cannot access your emails because of the cyber attack happened on the data center. And, you know, a lot of devices in the data center, they produce heat. So we need controllers who can uh, manage this heating. Okay, so any building can house more or less critical infrastructure and power plant critical infrastructure, hospital critical infrastructure, data center critical infrastructure. I get that. You can really mm -hmm. hurt another country, an adversary with that. But then isn't that in itself... IT cybersecurity, the type of cybersecurity we've known for many years, if not decades? Well, no. IT is, for example, your iPhone, your computer, laptop. This is kind of IT devices. But the sensors, controllers who really take care of this operation, such as lightning, heating, measuring of temperature, this is really kind of industrial control systems. And that's why uh, to protect them, uh, we really need to be innovative and introduce uh, new security measures because we cannot just take and copy-paste IT security means in our devices. Okay, so let me check whether I get that. With IT security, I have computers and I have my APIs and different computers talk to one another and I just make sure the communication is safe, the device is safe. With critical infrastructure... I don't just have to secure computers, but devices that are much closer, if you will, to the physical world, the thermometer, the electricity system, which has a lot of mechanical components. It's a whole different world. Yeah, that's true. And how do you keep it safe? You do that at Siemens. Your work at Smart Infrastructure with your team is to make buildings and critical infrastructure safe. How do you do it? We are creating and developing uh, security features and really we design our products uh, with security in mind. So at first, for example, we follow a secure development life cycle in our products. We follow security architecture. Also, we have threat and risk uh, detection. Uh, for example, when we design every product, we make sure that no threats uh, we create uh, in our products. So hackers, it would be much harder to attack the product. And not only our specialists, they do, for example, penetration testing, but before the release uh, of the product, we ask third-party companies, like really companies who are specialized in penetration testing, in security testing, they uh, make tests for us. And mm. if there is vulnerability, we fix them before go to market. So what I hear from you is it's about checking every single component. Is it safe in itself? Then secondly, is the component safe in the interplay, playing with all the other components? And when we think, yeah, this is safe, we give it to people and they have the fun task of breaking it. Please break it. And that's what we learn from Yeah, exactly. So to make it more secure, you need first to try to break it during the development phase. And then uh, if someone succeeded to break it, then uh, again, uh, we are thinking about how, uh, what kind of security features we need to install. Mm -hmm. And this uh, process is never ends. And then only after our devices, they are free of uh, known vulnerabilities, we release the product. You mentioned uh, penetration testing, and that's exactly what it is. Have somebody yes. try 
to break mm -hmm. in. Can you give me a concrete example? Because it still sounds so abstract of a penetration, a successful penetration of a building. I think there's a super famous example involving an aquarium and fish, but there might also be other examples. How did a successful penetration work? Well, uh, there were like quite a lot of examples. It says like uh, more than 50% of all IoT devices, they are vulnerable to cyber attacks. So it's possible to make successful penetration on uh, these devices. And it happened in uh, Las Vegas, then uh, that aquarium, like a thermostat uh, was hacked. And then uh, all the data from all casino players were stolen via thermostat in aquarium. Wait, so, that sounds incredible. That sounds like mm -hmm. a, a science fiction movie. First of all, how do I hack into a thermostat in an aquarium? Well, uh, if it's not protected, uh, like there are so many means of how attacker can attack the thermostat. And probably they found uh, one mean and they could attack it and uh, be in the system of the thermostat. Okay, so the thermostat is connected to the internet, so maybe yeah. I can check on an app what's the temperature in the water for my lovely fish. And because there is this connection to the internet, somehow, if I try hard enough, I may find my way in. Okay, so I'm in the thermometer, but how does that give me information on the casino and the players? Well, uh, in that case, the networks, they were not separated between each other. So the corporate network, when you have all your kind of data base of all casino players and the network, which is building network, they were converged. So there were no separation and attacker could uh, access from the thermostat uh, corporate network and then uh, got a database of all casino players. So it's a bit like if I had files at home and some have my bank statements, which are important information, and other files may have just some newspaper clippings of stuff I like, and I keep them in the same place. Somebody opens that cupboard and that person has both the snippets, but also my bank statements, if you will. Yeah, that's true. This is when uh, you don't have any network segregation or separation in your environment. Okay, so it sounds really complicated. How advanced are the customers you're talking to? Do the folks who run critical infrastructure already understand the risks? Be honest, Alina, what, what mm -hmm. you get? Yeah, like our customers, they are really increasingly asking about cybersecurity. So our customers, they ask us, uh, uh, like, what kind of features uh, you have in your devices? How they protected in terms of cybersecurity? And what is the most important? Uh, they are asking, like, what is the level of security for your device? How you prove this level of security? And I think this actually questions, they are really coming from uh, laws and regulations because there is kind of a push from regulators across the globe. There are so many laws in cybersecurity getting into force across the globe right now. So that's why, like, they have this push, yeah, from the laws to safeguard critical infrastructure. And this push is coming down to operators and owners of critical infrastructure, our customers. So this regulation, most people are like, oh, no, more regulation. But this might actually be good regulation because we know in cybersecurity, very often people only move once they've been badly bitten, once they've been <laughs> hacked. But then with critical infrastructure, that's too late. Yeah, like critical infrastructure, it's critical to every country. That's why governments of every country are trying to protect it via uh, laws and regulations. Before we look more deeply in how do you actually do it? How do you make devices secure? How do you then make the system secure? How did you get into that area of work? What brought you into that field? 
Well, it started uh, all in 2015 uh, when uh, I was doing research uh, in cryptography. Back in Switzerland, there were like Swiss uh, Institute, Federal Institute of Technology, and there were quite a lot of cybersecurity and the cryptography labs there. I did like theoretical research, but all my life I was kind of dreaming, you know, to work in the field which can really be helpful to our society, not like 20 years, but right now. So that's why like, I, I moved to Canada really to study more how to do malware analysis. Yeah, we were talking about penetration testing. This was also kind of one of the topics I was studying there, really how to identify these vulnerabilities in the devices, but also to fix them. And I, I really like it because I understood that I really make impact. Yes, I can help to save people's livelihood and privacy. When you think about the actual work, mm -hmm. what is it that gave you a kick at that time when you were a student? What made you work into the night? What did you specifically like about it? Yeah, I just uh, really like it that I'm uh, trying to help people to uh, safeguard uh, their privacy and their lives. Uh, I, I wanted to bring kind of positive impact in our life. That was the driving force which I had. I work a lot with technology firms um, mm -hmm. all over the world and they all want you, if you will, people who are really well educated in STEM, people who understand cybersecurity, folks who understand a bit of coding, who understand business impact. I guess you could have pretty much chosen your employer. What was the situation towards the end of your studies? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of not a big deal to find a company and then start to work as yes, cybersecurity employee there. But like for me, I wanted to work in something new. Like all my uh, friends um, with whom I was studying, they were thinking, okay, at the end of studying, I will join an uh, IT company. Yeah, because cybersecurity there is already well established. It was established like how many students? 30 years ago, yes, and I will just continue what they are working on. But for me, it was a kind of, I told you, like I was a researcher before, so I wanted kind of to work in really new topic and make impact in this topic. So that's why I uh, got an offer uh, from Siemens, smart infrastructure, and like critical infrastructure, smart buildings, they just started their journey in cybersecurity because 20 years ago, these systems devices, they were not connected to the internet. And that's why they were also cybersecurity that days. But right now, we are really in the beginning of our journey to safeguard all our internet-connected devices and products. And this yes. is what really excites me. Some of the internet-based, some internet firms, some IT, they pay top dollar for talent. What I hear from you is you wanted to be a pioneer in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, uh, it really, when I was reading a kind of a description of the job, I was thinking, yeah, this is really what I want to work on because it's new, it's challenging. Like you cannot, they say it like copy-paste IT security means uh, in our devices because it's impossible. Our devices are quite small, like sensors, just imagine. And you really need to come up with something new to secure them. So let's look at how it's actually done and stay with maybe the sensor, the temperature sensor in the building. Sounds mm -hmm. very similar to the temperature sensor in the aquarium. So Siemens mm -hmm. may help somebody equip a building with temperature systems, building management, and there's the sensor. And how do I now make sure it's safe? How do you do it? 
Well, uh, okay, for example, we are starting to develop a new product like Sensoria. And then uh, we are asking ourselves, for what kind of market we develop this sensor? Yeah, is it a critical infrastructure or not critical? Because this is kind of what impacts as the security level of the sensor. Yeah, and what kind of requirements, features we want to install in the sensor. Then, uh, like, we are having the whole process of architecture, design of security means in this sensor and every time we design a, a new feature we are trying to identify if this for example you know security protection will not break at the end uh, and have a hole in the system in the whole system so that's why we are doing this threat and risk assessment and okay uh, wait 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 you, yeah. you almost lost me so what i what i got from you is first i check how sensitive is the building that I'm yes. equipping. And then if it's like residential building, okay. Maybe people, worst case might be a bit cold for a few days, like in Finland, mm -hmm. that's bad, yeah. but nobody's gonna die. Hospital, I need a different security level, the highest exactly. possible. Just How do I get there? Pharma. How do I make it pharma, like mixing medications, Because, right? That, yeah, exactly. And uh, there, if you have kind of a small difference in temperature, then your medication uh, already will not work. So that's okay, so why... How do you then make it safe to that level? So we are including different security features. And these features we are taking from the standard. There is a standard which is very well known, IEC 62443 for industry. And it says like what kind of requirement you need to put in your device like sensors to secure it. And there are and like... A, for everybody. So I, I look exactly. at this IEC 62443 Siemens, anybody who yeah. builds sensors... And then that's this minimum standard. Is that safe in itself? Yeah, because designed by committee who's uh, working uh, decades in uh, securing an uh, industrial control system. So that's why we are taking the standard and taking the requirements from the standard and bringing to our products. But you also mentioned that it's not enough because then my little sensor, which is in itself a secure unit, starts talking with other devices, with the system control, maybe through the internet. How do I then make that bit safe? Exactly. So that's why you really need to protect the way a protocol, which is used by sensor to talk with other sensors. And as, for example, we are with you, yes, uh, speaking right now in English, sensors, controllers, they are speaking uh, between each other in a different language which is called Bucknet. So Bucknet is the language of sensors at the moment. Yes, exactly. Okay. There are other languages, for example, Kenix, Modbus, but Bucknet is kind of one of the most popular right now. And is Bucknet safe? Well, uh, I would say that Bucknet really, without any built-in cybersecurity, it's not safe. That's why a lot of, for example, operators, they are using uh, additional means to make it safe. For example, they are kind of using like uh, additional means like VPN, firewall, network segregation to make the whole building network Bucknet safe. But if we are really looking in the protocol inside, Yeah, like Bucknet IP. You really need to secure this protocol like inside. That's why Ashraya in 2019, they published an uh, addendum, which called Ashraya? Bucknet Ashraya? Sorry, who, who yeah, what is it's that? A, it's an American society, which is really created uh, this Bucknet standard. Okay, and, now, and they, yes, they yeah. have an update. They have a yeah. security feature now. What is it? 
exactly. They have update to the standard, which is called BACnet Secure Connect, and they are described how you can secure this BACnet communication. So if we just use BACnet, it's the equivalent of you and me meeting, say, in a cafe and yeah. discussing in public. Everybody can listen in. Exactly. With BACnet Secure Connect, it's the equivalent of us being, if you will, in a safe bubble because mm -hmm. only with the right certificate, if you will, an, an access badge, you can take part in the communication and hear and understand. Exactly. So Wagner Secure Connect, it's kind of additional layer of encryption, authentication. And for example, devices, they cannot just join Bucknet network and start communicate immediately. They need really to show a certificate, a valid certificate to be able to start communicating with other devices. Okay, so I've got my pharma factory. You're telling me, okay, Andreas, I'll make it safe. And you'll make it safe one by giving me devices which mm -hmm. have the highest level of security built in, thermometer, mm -hmm. for example, and lots of other tiny IoT devices, Internet of Things devices. And then you tell me they will also communicate safely with one another because we use Botnet Secure Connect. Great. Do I take your word for it? I trust you. I trust you. But then still, I want it checked. Who is telling me that the whole system in the end is working well? Well, this is about certification. If you really want to have a proof of cybersecurity, you want to look on uh, what kind of uh, devices you use. Are they really certified on cybersecurity? And, you know, like uh, quite a lot of uh, companies uh, I saw, they are doing a self-declaration. They're just saying, okay, like our devices are secure. But That's like, what you did. You told me, oh, Andreas, trust me, it's safe, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like at Siemens, we took a different uh, approach. We really uh, kind of invited to our facility independent certification body, you know, who checked everything in our, like how we develop products. Yeah. Like what kind of security features, what kind of process we use, like in case of the incident, how we are going uh, to deal with this incident. And based on this, they are signing the certificate, which shows are, that. Sorry, yeah. Andrei, who are they? You say they, they who's it's checking a, that? It's a tube suit. It's like one of the largest certification body right now in the world. So it's like a yeah. trusted third party, if you will, and their only currency exactly. is trust. So if they certify yeah. things that are not safe, they lose their business over time. Uh, of course, of course. That's why like, we really wanted that our devices, processes, you know, in our company checked with uh, independently. But that's, that's a lot of work. Like when would you expect all Siemens building uh, equipment and sensors and devices to be certified? Yeah, this is uh, quite a lot of work, that's true. But we already started this work. So we got certified our first device, X200, which is like a really critical device. It's a gateway and it translates building protocols to internet protocols. So it's kind of a middleman between uh, our uh, like uh, sensors, controllers uh, to the cloud. And we are planning to certify other devices in uh, maybe uh, like five years time because right. there are then, quite a lot of devices and uh, more okay. devices they are coming we, we're never going to be done because technology evolves new devices new technologies mm -hmm. and the big thing though to me seems that even if we create a completely safe system we still have very 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 weak point and that very very weak point is me you the people <laughs> who use the system human factor in cybersecurity is that 
that's where things usually go wrong. How do you deal with that then? Yeah, you're right. Like people, they're really at the heart of successful cybersecurity strategy. And Siemens, we are really a lot investing in a continuous training for employees, building awareness of cybersecurity, cyber attacks. For example, we also do it very in diverse way. Like we have coders, yes, developers uh, who are programming like controllers and they, we train them uh, on security coding. We have architects. Uh, like we train them on security architecture. We have uh, product managers. We train them like on laws and regulations and what kind of security requirements they need really to include in products. So so just make sure I get it. It's not that there is a like small elite troop of cybersecurity super specialists Mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. You, You try that everybody, a colder, a system architect, anybody gets awareness, someone who's not deep in cybersecurity, but they need to understand what are weak points and simple ways to make systems safer. Exactly. Everyone in a company contribute to cybersecurity. Of course, we have kind of people dedicated to their role, like me, yeah, uh, like 100% I work in cybersecurity, but we have these people just for like spreading awareness. And if some person, some uh, like my colleague has a problem or question, uh, they know to whom to come and ask this question. And what will the future bring? Technology is evolving in five years, 10 years time. Should we expect the same vulnerabilities to be a problem or do you see new vulnerabilities come up? Well, I think in 10 years, we really will move from securing uh, our building network protocols uh, with additional means like VPN firewalls to really build in inside of any protocol device cybersecurity. So it will be secure by default. You just take it and use it. You don't need like to think about, okay, how you are going to secure it. So that's why like what we are doing right now with Bacnet Secure Connect. And we really have a success story here because uh, last month we released our first product on Bacnet Secure Connect. And this is a really great achievement for us. We are like among the first companies to really make it real. Last question. There are a lot of guys working in cybersecurity, relatively few women. How is that for you being in this environment? I really advocate for more women in cybersecurity, in IT. Uh, Right now, for example, uh, we are with my colleagues from uh, human uh, resource team uh, and also with colleagues from communication. We are trying to attract uh, more women, more girls to work in cybersecurity. So, for example, we had just last uh, month's event in our Siemens HQ where we invited quite a lot of students and we really kind of make introduction to our world. And I was super happy to see that near 50% of all people, they were students, girls. That was really amazing for me. So women out there, if you're interested in cybersecurity, if you want to tame the poltergeists like Alina, maybe reach out to Alina. Would that be cool on LinkedIn? Can can they hit you up and ask? Perfect. So you'll get probably a full inbox very soon. Thank you so (laughs) much for your time, Alina. And I hope to catch up very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much.